Hey everyone, my name is Sylvia, and today I want to focus on the outbreak of coronavirus and its indications and implications on globalization. In this podcast, I'll lead you through the social, political, and economic influences of this ongoing pandemic, both positive and negative ones, and further analyze some possibilities of the future of globalization in reference to the film *Contagion*. According to the World Health Organization, coronaviruses are families of viruses that range from the common cold to MERS coronavirus, which is the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome coronavirus and SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. It spreads primarily through droplets of saliva or discharge from the nose when an infected person coughs or sneezes. Today, as I'm recording for this podcast, it has killed more than 178,000 people so far, with more than 2.5 million confirmed cases globally. And there's no vaccine developed yet at the moment. Most experts think a vaccine is unlikely to become available until mid 2021, though that will be a huge scientific feat, and there are no guarantees it will work. On December eighth of twenty nineteen, the first patient appeared in Wuhan city. China reports symptoms similar to a coronavirus infection. The disease is thought to have emerged in the Hunan seafood market, although doubts are later cast on that theory. On December thirty first, China informs the World Health Organization about a cluster of cases of pneumonia in Wuhan, Hubei province. The virus was still not understood. The next day, the WHO moves into an emergency mode for dealing with a major disease outbreak. Hunan Seafood Market is also shut down. On the 11th, the first death from the new coronavirus is reported by Chinese state media. A 61-year-old man in Wuhan died who had underlying health conditions. Two days after, on the 13th. A case of coronavirus was confirmed in Thailand. It is the first recorded case outside of China. On January twentieth, the United States announced its first confirmed case: a man in his thirties who had returned from a trip to Wuhan. There are also confirmed cases in Japan and South Korea. On January thirtieth, the WHO officially reconvened its organization's. Emergency committee. Two days after the first reports of limited human-to-human transmission outside China, the director general declares the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern. Around two months after, on March 11th, the WHO made the assessment that COVID-19 can be officially described as a pandemic due to the rapid increase in the number of cases outside China. The coronavirus has at least spread to 185 countries and territories, with many cities experiencing lockdown and citizens restricted to stay-home order. So, what does globalization look like at this specific time? According to Manfred Steger in Globalization: A Very Short Introduction, the term itself emerged as a buzzword. In the 1990s, because it captured the increasingly interconnected nature of social life on our planet, mediated by ICT revolution and the global integration of markets, many believe globalization accelerates the spreading of this virus. In fact, many blame globalization for creating a worldwide web and strengthening each nation's interdependence on each other. 
the worldwide interconnectedness of goods, services, capital, people, data, and ideas has produced undeniable benefits. But during this pandemic, the risk of dependency have fully entered the public consciousness. Socially, as most countries strive for social distancing and put the stay-home order in place, all sorts of work and study have been moved online. Most seriously affected cities face lockdowns and citywide closedown of all services. Although it was for the safety of the people, most people are strongly disappointed being stuck at home all the time and claim that it has been a violation of human rights. There were even protests asking the government to reopen all services in the city. Since the virus is widely believed to have come from Wuhan, China, there were also numerous racist incidents against the Asian community in the United States, especially Chinese people. On March 13th, a 92-year-old Asian man with dementia was thrown to the ground outside a convenience store by an attacker who shouted slurs about COVID-19. President Donald Trump has also referred the COVID-19 as Chinese virus or Wuhan virus after the WHO has officially named it, which triggers radical behaviors of his followers attacking the Chinese people and Asian Americans communities in the United States. Politically, many countries have closed down its border and placed travel bans on non-citizens. Some countries have also blocked the exports of medical supplies such as masks. The Trump administration cut 80% of the CDC's epidemic prevention efforts worldwide. Then the administration diverted funds from CDC budget to house detained migrant children. It has also claimed the U.S. suspension on funding the World Health Organization. Liberal globally engaged countries such as France and Germany not only closed their borders to travelers, but barred the export of face masks even to friendly nations. All governments around the world are broadly rethinking international travel, migration, supply chain risk, export controls, information sharing, and more, all key components of globalization. Economically, there's also higher rates of unemployment because businesses are making enough to support their original capacity. Severe incline in the global stock market and huge drop in oil prices have also indicated the influence of the pandemic. Tourism industry is hit the hardest as nobody's traveling at this specific time and won't be recovered for a while, which led into rapidly decreased GDP in countries depending on tourism and bankruptcy of several travel agent businesses. Once supply chains were disrupted by coronavirus, people started looking for alternative suppliers at home, even if they were more expensive. If people find domestic suppliers, they will most likely stick with them because of those perceived risks. Its economic influence is also shown by the huge number of international students studying at Western University returning back to their home country. Universities rely on the tuition of those a lot. And if this situation remains uncontrolled in the fall, it will hurt the finance of those schools greatly. A movie called Contagion, released in 2011, shows perfect illustrations of human behaviors during a pandemic, which resonates with the current COVID-19 situation a lot. The film follows the spread of a virus transmitted when sick humans 
touch surfaces and leave viruses behind that others can walk, can catch. Next comes the frantic attempts by public health officials to identify and contain the disease, the anarchy that unfolds amid a pandemic, and the ultimate introduction of a vaccine to stop the spread. The connections between our real-life outbreak and the fumes and EV1 infections are striking. Both illnesses originated in Asia, passed from animals to humans, and entered the world via a live animal market. They all show similar symptoms such as fevers, profuse sweating, profounding headaches, sore throats, and cough. The film also introduces the concept called R0, reproductive rates, which refers to the number of people a sick person is likely to infect. The R0 of fictional MEV1 viruses was two efforts that mutated into four, while according to the recent study of data from the first cases of COVID-19 in Wuhan and investigations conducted by Chinese and American health officials, the R0 of coronavirus is 2.2. The average person touches their face two or three thousand times a day. Two or three thousand times a day? three to five times every waking minute. In between, we're touching doorknobs, water fountains, elevator buttons, and each other. Those things become fomites. This quote from the movie set by Kate Winslet's Dr. Aaron Mears was an effort to ex- explain how an illness could so quickly spread from Minnesota's businesswoman to residents of both Hong Kong and London, and eventually beyond. This has been a repetitive warning that officials given to a public during coronavirus as well. In order to prevent the spread of the virus, the most effective way is to wear face masks, wash hands with sanitizers very often, and consciously control the frequency you touch your face, which has proven to keep situations under control in several countries like China, Korea, and Japan. Another quote from the movie has also reminded me of the government's reaction at the beginning of this pandemic. It comes from Lyle Haggerty, representing the government's narrative. There's a sick congressman from Illinois in D.C. He was in Chicago over the holiday. They're using the pod to fly him home, then they're closing down Midway and O'Hare. The governor there is calling out the National Guard. They're setting up roadblocks. They're shutting down the Board of Trade, public transportation. Even the Teamsters are pulling their drivers off the road. People are still going to slip through. You know yes, that. they will. The Secret Service is moving the president underground. Congress is figuring out how to work online. When the word goes out, there will be a run on the banks, gas stations, grocery stores, you name it. People will panic. The virus will be the least of our worries. It will tip over now. We just need to make sure that nobody knows until everybody knows. This sort of postponed response was also taken by the Chinese government at the beginning of this coronavirus, as they did not want to cause panic in society. So as the U.S. government, when similar symptoms appear at the beginning, they should have taken more immediate action instead of seeing it as normal flu. Whenever a pandemic takes place, the local government's first response is normally to hide the truth from the public because it affects the stability of the country. 
Another quote from the movie spoken by Dr. Alice Cheever, the director of CDC, shows a completely contrasting attitude, which impresses me a lot. I'd rather the news story be that we overreacted and that many people lost their lives because we didn't do enough. I believe contempt and fakement is more terrible than overreacting, which causes distrust, distrust of public towards the governments and authorities. In the film blogger Alan Krueger, which played by Jude Law, unethically pushes for Cynthia as a cure for a virus for personal profit, although studies haven't proven it work, the anxious customers clamor for prescriptions of the remedy from their local pharmacies, as well as on Krueger's blog. He attracted more than 12 million followers and several million dollars from the false claim. His character serves as an indication of a parallel epidemic of fear and panic based on distrust of news media, the government, and health officials. Similar situation also happened during the current pandemic, as there are no current cures or vaccine for COVID-19 yet. President Donald Trump called drugs chloroquine game changers, which caused huge inflation on its price and huge crowds of people rushing to pharmacies to get it. All products related are also running out everywhere. Masks, gloves, sanitizers, alcohol wipes, even toilet papers. And the elders suffer or suffer or even die from the lack of resources and protection. Besides, there are people in the field of media who spoke without investigating the truth, which has already created rumors and stimulated hatred. Completely unacceptable and immoral. Besides the negative influences we mentioned that affected social, political, and economic aspects greatly, both shown by the film and proven in reality, there are actually positive influences of globalization we haven't discussed yet. For example, the donations from developed nations to marginalized communities in the global south, international teams composed of experts in the medical field inventing applicable vaccines and sharing effective virus prevention experience. And there has been a race in funding towards the World Health Organization, despite of the United States suspension. On April 22nd, China donated an additional $30 million to the World Health Organization to support efforts to combat the coronavirus. The African Union already received 2,000 test kits from the Chinese government and is expecting another 10,000 of them along with other crucial medical supplies needed to fight the spread of COVID-19 across the continent. Twitter chief donated a quarter of his fortune to coronavirus fights. Global Cancer One World raises more than $127 million for coronavirus response efforts. People across the world are making collective efforts towards fighting against the coronavirus, and it's all because of globalization. So, what will globalization look like after this pandemic? Economic development might not be eliminated, but will definitely slow down and more customers' preferences switching back to domestic products. Economic integration will continue to shift from the global to regional and bilateral level. Nature of work might also change, and there may be reduced business travel, as we found out video conferences and 
chat apps will eliminate the need for most business travel and allow many people to work from home more. Perhaps most significantly, the coronavirus crisis plays into hands of nationalists who favor greater immigration controls and protectionism. I want to end my podcast today with some positive quotes, hoping to encourage everyone. Said by Marie Curie, "Nothing in life is to be feared." It is only to be understood. Now it's time to understand more, so that we may fear less. Says by Angela Lansbury. Better to be busy than to be worrying. Said by singer Sting. When the world is running down, you make sure the best of what's still around. Said by the le- legendary musician. John Lennon, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it is not the end. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I really hope you like it.